Because you want to live in the forefront of your times, in ideals and in sacrifice, you have elected this. Live from Mad Rivers Boulevard, it's Paul and Rage! Ivy. Take seven. <laughs> we start talking, we're not recording, yes. we start talking, the things pretend. Anyway, welcome! Hi, everybody! Welcome to the Rachel Corbell Fresco Studio, high atop the Tower of Love. We are in my apartment in my dining room, which opens out into the uh, vista beyond. But I, I fear that when we actually listen back to this, this is going to be very echoey. It is going to sound like we're recording in a toilet, mm. but... I assure you, we are not. Oh, <laughs> for now. How's your week been, darling? You look beautiful. You look rejuvenated. You look like uh, there's a lady in your life. <laughs> are you kidding me? I have thrown this dress on because it is so hot today oh. and I'm barely holding myself together. But you're just 50 shades of grey. Have you seen oh, it? Did you go and see it on the weekend? No, no interest whatsoever. Oh. I'm not going to... Have you seen it? No, I had a whole plan though. And that counts, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I reckon that you could actually give an adequate synopsis uh, and review based on not having seen anything but the trailer. Now, am I a bad parent that my plan was uh, for SK Valentine's Day, not a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, let's go to the movie because she hasn't been in the movies for a good solid month. The solution to little people crying problems, yeah. you go to the drive-in, yes. right? So on Saturday night, I tried to book Fifty Shades of Grey at the drive-in. No, sold out. Oh. So on the Sunday, I booked two tickets, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Am I a bad parent that the first film my seven-week-old daughter was going to see <laughs> was Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> Was anybody getting it on? Well, this is the thing. I don't know, but but uh, oh, you didn't go? No, no, we didn't go in the end. Oh, so it's right. a great story. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. It was Valentine's Day recently, as you were just saying. Happy Valentine's Day, Happy darling. Valentine's. I like you on the inside. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what do you think about women who post what they get for Valentine's Day up to Facebook? Pathetic. <laughs> I think it is the most show-offy manoeuvre, and if anybody says that they are doing it just to thank the person that sent Rubbish. it, send a f- text. Yeah, correct, correct. It's private. The loved one that sent you the flowers will know exactly how you feel, and we don't have to be privy to it because the only reason that you ever post a photo of the flowers that you received on Valentine's Day to Facebook is to say to all of the people on Facebook who didn't get flowers, oh, f- <laughs> the other, the flip side of this is, I always wonder what the dudes think in that situation because posting to Facebook and posting on their wall is great for ladies who love to tell everybody about what they got for Valentine's Day. But I reckon there's a lot of blokes who just rather just get the flowers, give them the message, shut her up, and then, oh, great, everybody knows I'm trying to be romantic. Yeah, correct, but also it's a you-me thing. Yeah. This is what I've never understood, is that, you know, as I said, Valentine's Day is not a big thing for us. But it's 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 a you-me uh-huh. experience. Of course it is. It for does... normal people, that's what it is, P. Murray. But, this is, but for those who like to live their life on the look at me. Yes, exactly. It's the same thing as the celebrities who insist on playing their relationship out via Twitter. Send oh. a text. Send an email. We've got yeah. an innumerable number. You can send a DM if yeah. you want. You can yeah. still tweet it, but you can tweet it personally. We've got so many ways to send the message that we want to send without sending it to everybody. You don't have to look like you're showing off. Uh, are you just a little sensitive at the moment? <laughs> no. 
Is there? Is there? I, I mean, let's let's just brush past the elephant in the room. Get the guys up on the Paul and Rach Facebook page. Rach, I'll let you decide mm. if this requires, uh, you know, a pop culture breaking news or whatever the theme so I'll let you decide. Okay, but you can't spring this on me when I haven't prepared it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay, now, Bruce Jenner, we've talked about this before. Uh-huh. Okay, the the, the, the former stepdad of the Kardashians mm-hmm. is now in the middle of gender reassignment surgery. So, uh, wait, wait, wait. I still can't work out if this is actually happening or not. Oh, I think so, because isn't there a TV show being made about his change from... Bruce to Brucette? I don't know. You see, I keep saying things in the, in the media about it, but I always see a source close to the family says. Uh, yes, yes, I haven't yes. yet seen Bruce come out and say, yes, I am becoming a woman. I, I mean, I think it's a little odd that Bruce has come out and said nothing. Yeah. The poor guy. I mean, mm. do you, I mean, I know he's brought it upon himself. I know that he turned his life into a freak show. I know he hang out with those weird women with the big ass and the blokey Sheila mm. and the weird mum. And the douchey kid. But it is full on. I think this is the very first and probably last time I'm ever going to say that I feel a bit for Kris Jenner. Yeah. Now, she has been married to Bruce for years. And, and you know I'm an open-minded kid. I'm thinking, if, you, if you're Are a- you about to judge someone for their <laughs> life choices? No, you know you can't live in this area if you're like that. <laughs> I know I can't. I will be booted out promptly, especially seeing as we've got the window open and I think everybody in the neighbourhood can hear us. Someone's about to be judged! <laughs> Chris Jenner has lived with... Don't whisper, it's not going to help. <laughs> ...with this guy... For years, in a relationship, they've had kids together. I just am all about laying your cards out on the table. That's a big card to keep in the pack. My thing is, is that I understand. I mean, I think that woman's a punish. And if I was married to her, I'd want to chop something off as well. But it would (laughs) probably just be my arm that I would chew off every morning I had to look at her. Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrach.com.au. Questions for Paulie segments back. Oh, hello. With more than one question. Well, that's the true plural. It is. And it's more successful than that movie, Any Questions for Ben. (laughs) Yes. So question number one for Paulie. Low-riding motorcycles, how are they comfortable? (laughs) You know the ones where the arms, you ride it where your arms are really high up and you're sitting super low on the bike? Yeah. Like chopper style, yeah. isn't that the thing? That's the, the sort of, uh, uh, yes, why easy do, rider. Okay, why, first of all, are they cool? Why are they cooler than any other motorbike? I don't know. I don't know either. So what about... The, I think it's sort of the, yeah, the high handlebar, perhaps because it's like, you know, praise Jesus, like no, hands you, in the air, I'm making it like, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't design it. It looks ridiculous. It, it looks like you've got a baby bike with big hand, like a big person's handles. Yeah, yeah but it looks good when they've got the moustache though. But does it? I just think to myself, your arms would be so sore. You couldn't go riding anywhere except for down to the shops because all the blood would drain out of your hands. Did you ever have one of those uh, one of those bikes as a kid that was a little bit like that, mm. but it had like a gear in where the crotch would be? No. Oh, that's where the fancy kids had. I always, I always, whenever we went to Parramatta Park, yeah, I used to lust over those bikes. I went, oh, if only my mum and dad were together. <laughs> Well, you didn't get more gifts when your mum and dad got uh, up? First Christmas, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First birthday, awesome. Other than that, eh. 
Yeah, my love was to be bought week in, week out, rather than one giant. Right. So it was, it was, you know, it was up for sale with Mum. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Take a bit of extra money anytime you want to go to the news agency and buy a oohoo stick or whatever. Yep. And for Dad, it'd just be let's go to Wonderland, kids. See, this is the great Mum Dad divide. Did you live with Mum? Yes. Yeah, I lived with Mum too. Same thing went with us. See, my prize with Mum was that I could invite friends over anytime I wanted without asking. She oh. said, anytime you want to have people over. You can have them over for sleepovers, whatever. You never have to ask my permission. That was her gift to me. Dad, if this has happened to you, this is always the way it goes down. Dad, because he doesn't live with you and you have, like, visits, I had to spend so much money at time zone. Uh, Yes! So much money. Every single time that we caught up for an access visit, it was straight to time zone. And, you know, you've got to play 95,000 games to get something, you know, to get one of those magnifying glasses you get in a cracker. But also, I mean, now that you're an adult, you think back and you go, okay... I reminded him of the woman he doesn't like anymore. The dads always get the raw end of the stick, right? Because when you live with somebody, quality time is when you as a kid go to your room and do colouring in books. That's quality time. You're spending time with mum. She's out having a cup of tea. You know, Quality time with dad isn't going over to dad's place and then just sitting in your room. Quality time is you have to come up with activities and things to do and, oh, we'll go to Wet and Wild Kids. We'll go and do this. It's exhausting. I'll I'll tell you. I'll tell you some quality time in the P. Murray house. I may mm. have told you this story before. Uh, I was in year six or something like that. Mm. I found uh, my dad's stash of dirty videos. Oh, I put them in. I've pressed play. I've turned on the television, but just turned it up just a little bit, and I'm sitting right in front of it, and I'm watching Debbie Does Dallas. Full-on experience, right, for a kid wow. in year six going, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> of which I then hear, oh, this is the good bit. <laughs> no. Do you want some ice cream, son? <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. I've got a couple more questions for you in the questions for Paul Isabel. I like it when it sort of spans over a couple of breaks. Please. I like that. Uh, why do people who have dogs assume that everyone loves being sniffed by their dog? Correct, correct. And also that somehow something is wrong with you <laughs> if you freak out around their dog. <laughs> I've never been a dog person, never had pets growing up. It's not that I don't like them. It's just that I don't know what to do with them. They come up to me and, you know, you see people, they're so comfortable and relaxed and they grab their little faces and they're like, you're so adorable. I just sort of stiffen a bit and kind of, I don't want to wash my hands, especially if I'm somewhere where there isn't a tap. And so I just kind of bristle a bit and move over. And, you know, I was sitting down at a park bench the other day. This woman comes over, a dog comes in, and this dog is all up in my grill <laughs> and you know I, mm-hmm, and I sort of moved aside and anyway this woman doesn't do anything about the dog but sort of makes it f- me feel like it's my problem Correct. for what, being what? a bit weird about a dog. But also it's the thing when people bring their, their, their dogs they've gone for a bit of a walk and then they've got their tongue hanging out and, the, <laughs> and then there's just dripping yeah. and you're just going it's going to hit me so mm. I'd no do you know the stuff of my nightmares is especially in those little white dogs I don't know what they are I don't know what dog schnauzers no that's a grey one I know Ooh. what a schnauzer is because good old Christy Williamson had a schnauzer when we were a kid how is she going she's good do you still want to wear her skin and live <laughs> like her one day well, she's got a baby now, so no. Oh. <laughs> you could fit more in. I'm happy for her to deal with that on her own. She no longer has the life I want. Hey, um, hey, not hey. for a little while. Not hey, for a little while. Come on. Hey. You'd be a great mum. I like handing them back right now. You'd be a great mum. Um, so Will the... you be a public breastfeeder? Oh, yeah, for sure. Just all the time? 
Yeah, for sure. I probably won't. I probably do the uh, the modesty sheath. You know, the women that have the little the little blanky thing. I'm not going to get tit out on the bus or anything. But I'm happy to get boob out if baby's hungry. Baby's hungry. I will put this out there. Mm. Learnt experience. Mm. The wandering eyes of family members. Uh. <laughs> They're over for a visit. They just go. Oh, oh, I can't look at that. Oh, I can't look at that. You can't kind of help it, even as a woman. It's fine. It's really hard to not look at boob when boob's on display. Well, the thing is, is I'm used to it now, but it, it's kind of confronting. Mm. If you haven't seen it for a while or you've never seen it, that's what they're for. Yeah. So to actually see them used for their proper purpose. Yes, yes, yes. It's not pervy. Yeah, go, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Milk comes out of that's those. That's what that's for. <laughs> Sorry, Christy Williamson. Okay, so back to part where we're going pre-Christy Williamson to dogs and the stuff of my nightmares. Way back there. Way back. So white little dogs. I don't know what breed they are. Racist. <laughs> but, you know, the gunk that they get in the fur around their mouth. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it's... sort a, of dirty sort of... It's a uh, bit of pal. It's yeah. a bit of drool. It's a bit of sniffing chum of other juice. bum. It's a bit of chum juice. It's a bit of dirt. It's a bit of everything. That stuff coming near me is mm. like I have the most irrational fear of whatever that stuff is. No, no, I don't think it's irrational. This is the thing. The rational fear is... This animal licks the ground. <laughs> this animal licks another one's bottom. <laughs> yeah. This animal does not share ice creams with me. Yeah. People are so weird about it. Okay, so I've got one last question in the questions for Paul. I like this segment. I love this segment. Uh, mostly because it gives us a way to jump to something if we haven't worked out how to get out of it. That's my favourite part. It's called a device. It is. Beck Hewitt. Ugh. How is she Next. still on the Next. car? Next. <laughs> Can I just say this quickly? How is she still on the cover of New Ideas? Who's buying it? Who is buying it? But also, has there ever been a person in the history of celebrity who has been unemployed for longer yet on magazine covers? I don't understand how there is. To be ev- fair, Diane has been dead. For a yeah. very long time, and she can still punch out a front cover. But if she is the Australian version of Diana, then I want to punch myself in the face. Oh. She's done nothing. But but what's what's this week's complaint? You know, Leighton's tennis shoes was smelly. My horror. <laughs> Exclusive picks, page eight through twelve. Get the guys up on the Paul and Rage Facebook page. Breaking news, Rage. Breaking news. The United States. Yeah. A little place called Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh yeah. A retired teacher tried to sue the school board. Why? Because they were not sensitive to her, and I quote, phobia of young children. (laughs) Why did she become a teacher? That's the whole point. (laughs) Thankfully, the three-judge panel have dismissed the case. But she claims that uh, due to the difficulties of being a teacher, the stresses over the years, eventually she started to resent, hate and be afraid of the kids. She went and told the uh, school saying, I'd like to work in the library or something. Mm. They said, no, you're paid to be a teacher, be the damn teacher. Mm. But I'm trying to think, how bad are these kids that you create, not just, oh, do I have to go to work? But I can't leave the house. Why do people go straight to the lawyer's office to fix problems like this? But you who's know? the shyster yeah. who says, we've got a case? Exactly. I think to myself, if I have chosen to be a teacher and I get into the classroom and I absolutely hate children and I'm having an awful time, my immediate reaction is, 
I have made a wrong choice. Yeah. Not somebody has forced me against my will to stand in front of these little demons and be miserable. But let's be honest. The glory days of teaching are behind us. I mean, the good old days when you used to be able to say, Oi, Corbett, up the front. <laughs> that was control. Now mm. it's, um, excuse me, Rachel, mm. um, can I invade your personal space <laughs> to request that you finish your homework? No. Okay, I'm so sorry. Let's open okay. a dialogue like, about just, it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> there is counselling available to you. I have to say that a lot of my friends are teachers, and I don't know whether glory days are dead, because have you seen a little thing called the electronic whiteboard? No. You can actually, I mean, you draw on it, you do the class, and then you press print, and it prints what you've been doing in class. It's all linked up to your computer, so you can actually draw it and it all links up and it saves it on the computer. It's ridiculous. Wow. I remember remember when it just, you know, like, hello, I'm Mrs. da 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 And then they write that whole thing up. And then, because I was, you know, <laughs> a little slow, eh? Mm-hmm. Is that I would, I, I would be constantly looking up saying, the cat sat <laughs> on the mat. And slowly my handwriting would just fall over like a drunk person. You're squiggling across a line. Why did we ever do mathematics in grid? paper. Let's be honest. Mm. Why did we do maths for six years? Oh, I love maths. Well, the g- g- bully for you. <laughs> I love it. But you it. can take your long division, divide it, <laughs> subdivide it, <laughs> cos, sine and tan it and shove it. <laughs> Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrach.com.au. Mars One. The Rover. No, the uh, reality TV show. Damn it, I thought I was clever. (laughs) Thanks for breaking my spirit. The reality TV show where they're going to send people to Mars. Never going to happen. On a one-way ticket. Never going to happen. I know they're always going to talk about it. As if this is ever going to happen. This is my... We can barely send people to South Africa for two weeks and yeah. anyone cares. See, they've just shortlisted 100 people to go into this program. Oh. They say that they're going to whittle it down to 24 people to actually send to Mars and that they're going to like, build these space pods on Mars and it's not going to happen for a while okay. yet. How confident are you that mm. this will actually happen? Oh, zero confidence. Oh, good, because I was about to put a tasteful black and white nude spread up mean? as the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly believe that this is a reality TV ploy because basically they've said that to raise the funds, because they need something ridiculous, to raise the funds to get the program happening, they need to do a reality television show about... The, the people going through training to get to Mars. But also, it's, it's, it's not like a normal... Like, it was an episode of The Simpsons, mm. which was a joke yeah. about normal people being able to join the space program, okay? Mm, mm. But as they joked in that show, it's a mathematician, a statistician, and a different type of mathematician. <laughs> exactly. So unless it's literally going to be just grid paper dudes yeah. and dudettes... Mm. You know what I remember from that episode forever? <laughs> I don't understand. That was non-alcoholic champagne. Uh, I was going through some of the entrants who actually got in because we've had quite a few entrants from Australia. P.S. Later in the broadcast, we're discussing your whole new computer setup. (laughs) This this deserves its whole own thing. But okay, keep going. I just wanted to... Naturally, you're on a one-way ticket. I mean, there's a whole bunch of weirdness here. Let's let's assume for a moment that this is going to happen. So these people are putting their hand up because they're saying, I am happy to go on a one-way ticket to Mars and never come back. So guaranteed death. Guaranteed death. But you're on TV. Exactly. Now, the thing that worries me about this is that I don't think anybody, and I don't want to tell it with the same brush, everybody, but I no, just... No, judge, judge. Okay. She's doing it again. <laughs> okay. I just don't think 
then anybody of sane mind is going to go, yeah, you know what, I will do that one-way ticket to Mars, live there and never come back. And when I say that, what I think about is that you are putting all of these people who believe that going to Mars on a one-way ticket is a good idea in a confined space to live together for the rest of their days. But also, let's run the sums on this. Mm. Okay, so presumably they're going to pick, what, people in their 20s and 30s? There's a 17-year-old. Okay, right. So last time I checked, 17-year-olds can live to, what, their mid-80s? Yes. I don't know if Channel 10's going to give over that much <laughs> airtime. Every night at 7 o'clock? Yeah. Every night for the next 70 years? Hell no. So let me, have, let me introduce you to one of the Mars One contestants, Tia. She is the 17-year-old, or maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe she's 18, actually. Oh. Let me go down and check. Because well, no. I can't make comments if she's 17. I've buggered this up. She's 19, so we're... We're all safe. We've got a photo? Uh, we've got a photo and an, uh, a weird photo. See, that's not somebody that's going to go to space. That's somebody who's... I don't mind. Uh, yeah, but it's, that's because mind. it's that's, a bit sexual. Uh, yeah. That's why. That's, I don't want, you're not supposed to do a sexual selfie if you want to go into space. Have a listen. What you, about if you just want to go to heaven? Oh, come on. Show me heaven. Yes. Come <laughs> Let's uh, have a listen to Tia, her video for entry into the Mars One program. Let's just close our eyes and imagine being stuck in the middle. <laughs> no, wake up, wake mm, up. Sorry. Being stuck on the middle of the red planet, knowing you have no way of getting off. You are stuck here forever. And the people that you are stuck in these pods with will be your only friends for the rest of eternity. And then listen to Tia. Hi, what Why would you like to go to Mars? Well, basically, I've been dreaming about it my entire life. This is the best thing to ever happen in the history of mankind. I mean, humans on another planet. Biggest thing in history ever. Um, How would you describe your sense of humor? Shut Uh, up. Puns, bad puns. Um, And basically, they're wearing silly hats. Okay. (laughs) All right. Two things. Two things. One, you buried the lead. she spells her name T E A H. T E A. Yes. All right. Secondly, yep. the only reason I think it's okay for this Sheila to go to Mars, yep. because if I can't come back, <laughs> the police can't come and arrest me <laughs> when I finish her off. You're listening to Paul and Rach. Mentioned it before in the Alfresco studio here of Paul and Rach, paulandrach.com.au, which is where you want to get in touch. Feel free. Do. Now, Rach, you've got, you know, the MacBook Air. Yeah. But now you've decided to invest in a stand. Mm. You've invested in, in a little wireless keyboard, mm. a little mouse. Mm. What's going on? Is this I've the professional the whole... writer's look? This is the whole setup because I was starting to have to spend a lot of money at the osteo. <laughs> so I've set up a little thing because, you know, when you're sitting by your computer all the time, you're looking down, tap, tap, tapping away. Tap, 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 tap. Uh, but this way, and I need to sort of prop it up a bit. At the moment... It's very scientific. It is. It's got four magazines underneath a little uh, riser thing and then my little mouse and my little keyboard and now I'm sort of on the way to being ergonomically designed. Now, you know, at Triple M when we worked there for uh, quite a while Mm. is that they had this thing where sort of if you'd really made it at Triple M sort of in like the management-y world, you were able to have a laptop 
that you could go clunk into some dock and then it would become your computer. Yes, yes. It looks like you've got one of those. Your management material now. Oh, see, I thought you were going to tell a little story about the HR department. Because you're supposed to have your uh, computer, the top of your computer is supposed to be at eye level. That is ergonomically designed. Seriously? Yeah, that's true. And when you're in HR, one of the punishing things that you have to deal with is people making complaints about, my chair's too sore, my, my back hurts, and all of this kind of business. Now, I've never gone to HR with one of these complaints but there was a point uh, in time where one of my colleagues was going up quite regularly I thought I've never even known that you could go and have a discussion with uh, HR about this so I said I think that you know my computer's a little low I think you know could, oh. do do you go and buy a little stand you know what they did came and got two thingos of reflex paper stuck them under my computer and that was it as well they should that'd be my solution you HR this is, this is, this is the HR equivalent of asking a chef to make garlic bread <laughs> Yes. It's kind of beneath their skill set. <laughs> Get the guys up on the Paul and Rage Facebook page. It's Feb Fast at the moment, P. Murray. I'm doing my best. <laughs> You've been doing Feb Fast your whole life. Yeah, I am fasting. What are we raising no, awareness for? Alcohol oh, fasting. Oh, yeah. No, God. <laughs> what are we raising awareness of? Um, I don't even know what Feb Fast is raising but just get on board because awareness is important. Well, you know what bugs awareness. Me? <laughs> you awareness. Know what? <laughs> you know what bugs me most? Let's see. Actually, is there a celebrity ambassador for the awareness of Feb fasting? Uh, probably there always is. Laura um, Dundevic. Oh gosh, isn't she, isn't she done good uh, going on? I'm a celebrity. Get it and get me out of here. I think she just thought. She said that she really wanted to go because she'd never been to South Africa. Like it's not a holiday, <laughs> you know. It's you're having to drink honest. cockroach milkshakes and yeah. you know part with your dignity. Yeah. And let's be honest, even in the slums of Soweto, <laughs> yeah. they are not doing half of the stuff that's going on on that telly show. Oh, it's a it's twenty eight day health challenge. Oh. So you can quit anything, I think, like your uh, So hang on, we're now or... raising awareness and detoxing for anything. Could this be any more vague? <laughs> That's actually really this true. This is the single vaguest... I don't even know what, um, they're, what... Th- what they're doing it for. Where your money goes, let's see that. Awareness? It goes to awareness. Um, oh, it goes to people who are addicted to things, I think. I'm not sure. Great anyway. cause, great <laughs> anyway. cause, great cause. Anyway, the point is that I've run into a few people lately who are doing FebFast and, you know, I mean, it's just... And then I get everyone on you know, Facebook and Instagram, oh, day 18 of insert, insert, oh. And my point would be... If you're going to make the choice to do it, ye cannot complain. Like, shut your face, get through it, and get to the other side. The other thing that but also, is... it's not. It's, it, let's be honest. It's not you know a month of chemo. <laughs> like it's yeah. not something to genuine, you know. Like you're giving up yes, booze. Absolutely. The other thing is when you find those people who are like, oh, I'm just doing Feb fast. It's like, oh, great. Could you send me the link and I'll donate? Oh, I'm not actually doing it to donate. I'm just doing it myself. Yeah, that's like those people who just turn up to uni lectures, <laughs> yeah. but, but haven't signed up for anything. I'm, yeah, I'm just uh, taking medicine, but I don't need the <laughs> bit of paper. I once did Dry July. And you know me, I'm not a big drinker. No. I could easily, easily go through a month without a drink and not even think twice about it. Okay, what could you go longer without? 
Booze or intimacy? Oh, intimacy, easy. As long as I didn't have somebody that I was with. Right. If I was sol- if I was a solo traveller, no dramas. Mm. The intimacy can go on. So somehow. dry July. It could be dry in more places than one. But dry July <laughs> I did and I got a leave pass halfway through to go to some event. Now you can pay 25 bucks and get a leave pass and then you can drink for the evening. Good right? system. Pay- good system. And we were out drinking with a good friend of ours, Pedo. Oh, yes. Now, this was one of those nights where the drinks started early. And for some reason, even though I can easily not drink for three months, as soon as I got told I wasn't allowed to drink, for those 31 days, all I wanted to do was drink. And when I got to that midway oh, point... Just, I'd, I'd kill for a Drambui. <laughs> I'm not your mum. Is that but, what she drank? Chinzano. No, Chinzano I got it. these strange text messages from Rach. Oh, I need a Chinzano. <laughs> so we started off pretty early. And you know what happens to people when they do a month off alcohol, when they really don't need to do a month off alcohol because they're good at being a, doing a month off alcohol normally. I ended up on the dance floor with my shirt over my head. Oh, what, female soccer style? Female soccer style. And actually got to the point where, pedo included, had to say, I think it's time that we all left because of me. That bad. <laughs> that bad. Pedo's got a high threshold. <laughs> yeah. Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrach.com.au. Rach, uh, still in the vein of Valentine's Day, and honestly, we know that last week should have been our pre-Valentine's Day show. Mm. What can I say? We're on satellite delay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I like a little thing that was up on uh, the Herald's website this week that was uh, the five make or breaks. Ooh, of a relationship. When it comes to the early days of intimacy, the early days of love, when you go home to his, you go home to hers. The following is apparently, so I just want to ask you, Mm. as somebody who is very accepting, very forgiving, very okay, very cool, a messy house. Forgivable, disappointing, but forgivable. I think it depends. If somebody knows you're coming round and it's filthy, then that's problematic. If you've unexpectedly arrived at somebody's house, then, you know, that can be forgiven. But somebody was telling me that they just got out of a relationship recently and they asked one of their single friends about, you know, what they should do when they're on the dating scene. And one of their single friends gave him the piece of advice that said, every time you go out... Make sure your house is clean because you never know whether you might end up bringing a lady home and the last thing that you want to do is have her rock in and your dirty jocks are everywhere. It'll make you look like an idiot. It'll make her think twice about her decision. But if she walks in the place is pristine, your chances are much higher. See, this is important advice because... Mm. As a man who's clueless about all of this, we all know that Sean and I met in the womb mm-hmm. and, you know, been together <laughs> yeah. ever since. But how does one cover the awkwardness or the time for second thoughts between leaving a venue hand in hand, mm. waiting for cab, getting in cab, paying cab, house? Surely there's a lot of time there for you to either sober up, look the other way, mm. or do you commit upon the leaving that... I don't want to speak for all of womankind Please. here. But Be Clementine Ford. I would say that a large proportion of women, maybe not large, a fair number of women. Okay, three. Three women may on occasion go back to a guy's house for a drink but think that they're not 
definitely going right. to do the deed. Right. Whereas if a guy gets a girl back to his oh. house, he's going to assume, well, this is on 100%. I've met people, I've been that person who's gone back to have a drink because I want the night to continue, but I've known I'm never going to stay over. So, But do you have to send this message very early? I bring it out pretty early because there's nothing worse than the disappointment. However, I will say that the majority of men that I've been with, you know that they reckon their 95% chance of convincing you and getting you over the line. I sprayed the ambipure. What else do you need? <laughs> exactly. Because I am dead certain mm. that if I was single, God mm. forbid, there is no... Okay, if I put in all the work that was required before mm. we left, mm. I have no doubt that in the precipitating 20 minutes, something is going to happen and make her change her mind. So, for example, okay, we wait too long for a cab. She's yeah. going to go... Not anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go to my car, which is in the parking station, but you have to go through the stairwell that smells like weed. (laughs) She's no longer interested. We go okay, but for some reason the suspension's a little bit tight and we go over a speed hump a little bit too hard. Bang! We lose the mood. <laughs> Let alone we try to find a park and I get a bit frustrated because I'm trying to find the park. Then the walk back's too far. And then and then I pull down my pet and then she's just not interested. You get upstairs, you put the music on, the last CD in your CD player was 100% hits, best of 93. <laughs> you know, all of these things could happen. I think. Believe that- it or not, there are four others that we need to get to <laughs> okay, all right, let's on this list. On. Okay, all right, yep. now, apparently, bad furniture. Now, I completely disagree with this. If somebody has bad furniture... That could be their kooky taste. It could be how much money they do or don't have. Mm-hmm. I think that's a snobby thing to judge somebody on. Yeah, that is. So yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to go with you. Unless you were trying to do it on the bad furniture and yeah. it was just a oh, comfort issue. Seriously, have you ever tried to root on a milk crate? <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. Oh, I wanted to tell you about uh, my roommate's Tinder date the other night. Uh, we were saying the other day how disappointing it is that I'm no longer on Tinder because we don't get to mine that little gold mine for stories. And please head to paulandrach.com.au and send us your stories of Tinder tales because, God, they are magical. So the girl that I'm living with, she's a delightful girl, PhD student, studying evolutionary biology with a specialty in cane toad research. Well, good how luck about to that her. for interesting? Jeez, put that in your Tinder profile. Exactly. So she is, you know, very level-headed, super funny, really nice girl, Jeez. very smart, fits, you know, delightful, a catch essentially. And so she was, you know, she met a guy online and decided that she'd go and hook up and she had a bit of, you know, back and forth and the conversation seemed to be going quite well. And she said, the only reservation that I have is that I think he might be a little bit arrogant and I'm not a massive fan of arrogant people. Fair play, neither am I. So she thought, you know what, I had to throw caution to the wind. He's asked me out, we're having good chat, let's just chalk it up to experience. So she went out and had a date with him, sat down, you know, had a meal, had a bit of a chat and her fears of him being arrogant were pretty much proven. Uh, so some of the things that happened during the date was that they were talking about one night stands and she was saying it's not really her thing. And she said that, oh, and he said, oh, look, I did have a bit of a funny date situation, funny da- one night stand. I met a girl, we went home to my place, we were fooling around. She sort of said, oh, I'm not going to have sex or anything, I just want to fool around. He popped his shoulder out and dislocated his shoulder. She then took him to the hospital to get it popped back in. So my roommate said, oh, well, naturally you would have seen her again. And he said, "Mm, if a girl says that she uh, doesn't want to sleep with me on the first date, then it's pretty clear to me that she's just too into me. What? He does know that people aren't straws. They're not just used once and... 
thrown away. away. Exactly. But then it continued. So she thought, okay, this dude is clearly not my Mr. Right. So let's just continue on the conversation and kind of, you know, mine him for information. They were talking about their interests and what they're good at. And see, he was sort of asking her what she was into and what she's good at. And then she said, oh, you know, what are you good at? And he said, everything. Oh. She was like, well, well, that's really general. What do you mean anything, everything? And he said, you name a thing, I'm good at it. Paragliding. <laughs> she, she said... Wakeboarding. Okay. Exactly. She was like... Maths. Okay. Yeah, this is the thing. She said, okay, um, you know, evolutionary biology, you know, biology or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, well, you can't go that far. I'm really good at playing the guitar. <laughs> and, oh, of course you are. Like, Squash. What an idiot of a bloke. And she said to me that she just thought that he was trying to egg her on to say something yeah. sexual. And let's be honest too. The only reason that he would be half decent in the bedroom is because he's looking at his reflection in your <laughs> eyes. Keep the guys up on the Paul and Rach Facebook page. Oh, Rach, some breaking personal news. Breaking personal news. Okay, mate of mine, and he knows who he is, and I love him. By the time this podcast is up, it will not be a problem. Um, he sent an invite to his birthday party. Mm-hmm. And it's this Saturday. Yeah. Now, I'm a slack ass. When I get the email invite, say the date, whatever, I go, okay, cool. It's in my head. Done. Mm-hmm. But I don't reply. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. Now, I've just received a text message from him, and I'll read directly. Hi, mate. Haven't heard from you, re my 40th, which is uppercase, this Saturday. <laughs> As the RSVP date is technically today, I just wanted to make sure you received the invite. <laughs> now... That is as teenage girl as blokes get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, now I would probably write something like that in all fairness Mm -hmm. because he's going, okay, now I'm a bloke. I can't just have a go at him going, Muzz, what the f***? (laughs) So I'm just going to pretend that maybe it's still 1995 and emails don't get to people. (laughs) Technology is now good enough that it always gets to you. So my answer to the RSVP is, yes, fine, I'll be there. I look forward to it. Until Sean tells me I can't leave in the afternoon. <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. I got a plane the other day, and I tell you what, I mean, there's a couple of things that annoy me. The, you know, 101 sort of thing is the bloke in front of you who puts you, their chair back at an absolutely obnoxious angle. You are an obnoxious angler, are you? Not because I want to be obnoxious, but, but because my you're belief in business is... class. <laughs> Actually, very true. My good friends at Virgin <laughs> Australia, they are good people. I'll give you the tip. It's comfy up there. There is nothing more irritating when you... Let's fly to Adelaide. Oh, please. Just so I can get you up the front. I'll fly anywhere if you can get me up the front. Oh, hang on. Keep the guys up on the Paul and Rage Facebook page. Sadly, we come to the end of the podcast where it is time for us to get Rach to read a story. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. You're preparing something over there. Now, not Picture Magazine, not Club International, not People. What do we got? Not Penthouse Forum. What do we got? We've gone to a website. Oh, goodness. I've just simply put in short, dirty story. Oh, hello. This is the first one that's come up. It's called The Game, and it's written by Dirty Yours Truly. Oh, God. Now, sight unseen. Yeah. Sight unseen, you will read this. Yes, I will. What's going to go in place of the dirty words? Good question. What have we talked about today? What about Beck Hewitt? I like. <laughs> Not her, but I like it in this scenario. All right, Rachel Corbet, All right. do your worst sight unseen from a website. All right, the game. 
The lights dimmed in the room as Lana stared blankly at the muscular body before her. David stood in his basement with nothing on except very tight underwear. I thought you said you wanted to play a game, David whispered into Lana's ear as he grabbed hold of her neck. A shiver shot down her spine. She wanted this, but she felt ashamed of wanting it. She shook her head. Dave, this isn't fun for me anymore. Oh, this is, this is problematic. She begged. What? Their kissing had led to undressing each other and what Lana thought would be simple, Beck Hewitt, had turned into some sort of bondage game. Oh. Uh, in brackets, I'm f***ed up, okay, just deal with it. What have you found me? <laughs> she was very aroused by it, but it was against everything her parents had ever taught her to have this sort of Beck Hewitt. Stuart locked eyes with her and then skimmed them over her almost bare body. Only her Beck Hewitt's remained on. Her... Eyes locked with his Beck Hewitted area. We both know you want this, he said, as he pushed her against the wall roughly. I'm not sure that this is all above board, Polly. I think we might have to go back to the magazines who have things like legal ramifications. I would like to apologise to everyone involved. Just read the last paragraph because I think it is. I think it ends with everyone. Okay. Okay. Just so people don't think that I've subjected you to something unpleasant. Lana could feel her Beck Hewitt begin and she screamed again at that moment. David, uh, what? Walked over to her mouth. What? Until oh, he Beck Hewitted rapidly. And yeah, okay. I'm leaving that. See ya. You're listening to Paul and Rach.